All right, welcome to the show, Luke Bell. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well. It's good to be home this time of year. A little bit different to be home this early from the States, but all good. Mate, you're probably definitely in my top three favourite triathletes in the pro field at the moment, but what? Uh, just give us a quick a quick thumbnail of um, who you are and what you've been, what you're up to. Um. I guess you know I've been you know more than lucky enough to be doing this as a professional full-time job for ooh, 13 or 14 years now. Um, just generally grew up in the country as a kid and moved down to Melbourne for university, completed my sports science education teaching degree and sort of ever since then been lucky enough to be traveling around or fell into triathlon traveling around doing this and I guess I've always tried to to realize you know this is something that's not going to last forever it's a pretty special lifestyle what we live and you know you try and try and enjoy it and make the most of it you know sort of while it lasts so so what got you into triathlon um as a kid like i grew up down in portland which was a town of nine thousand odd people um parents just my sister and i were parents always had us heavily involved in sports so it was Pretty much every night of the week, we either had one or two sports practices. Weekends were always traveling to different towns and doing that. And um, I used to dislocate my knees a lot as a kid. So that ended the, the football and uh, basketball sort of avenues or anything really that had change in direction. And it was a small triathlon in town and um, sort of a few of the friends were doing it. So mum threw me in there. I rolled around a, a sprint distance, nearly drowned in the, the old rash vest, dragging me under the water and... You know, swim, ride and run and I know, sort of enjoyed it ever since and I did it a bit while I was at uni along with the normal uni life of late nights and you know early morning swim squads and and then sort of it really yeah just happened to sort of fall in triathlon probably you know eight, sort of 18 years of age through the university years. Now that, that Luke Bell that was drowning in his first try, did he? Did, did you? Would he have ever imagined he would have had the um, record for the fastest Ironman swim? No, actually, I actually think I lost that just the other week. Yeah, another, yeah, someone down, another downriver stream. So I think it's still got an asterisk, but no, like. I still remember when I moved up to, to Melbourne and started swimming, and I've been swimming in the same squad here in Melbourne ever since I moved up. For, for university with Buddy Portier at Melbourne Grammar. And I've, I started at one side of the pool and every year we have a laugh at the, the steps that it took to move from one lane to the next lane to the next lane to, to finally being able to make it, I guess, to the, the big lane one and, and hang on to some of the swimmer's feeds. Were you quietly disappointed when your record got broken? Yeah, actually. It was, a, it was one of those good old things you laugh about at the pub or, you know, just hanging out with the boys or going for a ride. It's like, yeah, I've... Grand Hackett sort of got nothing on me. I've got I've got one minute per hundreds for three point eight kilometres. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I can't even claim that anymore. <laughs> so when did you turn pro? Um, so when I finished my uni degree, uh, I just always sort of watched Hawaii on the the Nines Wide World of Sports days, and you know you used to watch Mark and Dave go at it, and then obviously Welchie winning it as well, and. I sort of thought I always wanted to do an Ironman. The, the ITU never really appealed to me. Um, I was not sure why. It was just maybe because I didn't grow up in the sport. I just saw the Ironman and watching it and wanted to do one. And I think the best time to do it was after finishing uni and then before you know you start a, a real job, I could use the summer to train for it. So I signed up for Ironman Australia at Foster at the time 
And I think that was Macca's first Ironman at the time too. So all I can remember of that race is I was, you know, chomping at the bit. And I, I still remember riding in that bunch ride, looking around and you had Macca and Wilder up the road. But you know, I, I still remember, you know, I spoke to Thomas Hellregel during the bike ride. Chris Lee was in our group. Peter Reed was in our group. And Olivia Bar- Barnard was in our group. And you just sit there going, you know, these are the guys I've watched on TV. So no matter what happened, it was going to be an awesome day. And I think I finished, uh, what did I finish there, fifth or sixth? Uh, went eight hours 40. Um, so it wasn't bad for a first roll around an Ironman. <laughs> um, qualified for Kona and thought, well, this may never happen again. So sort of trained for Kona that year and worked little bits of part-time stuff. Um, and then really... After I guess the the sixteenth in Kona on that first first go, I thought, well, actually maybe maybe I could delay a real job for a little bit longer and, and do this for a living and and see how it goes. And lucky enough, we're still getting around. <laughs> yeah, well, just just going on that um, talking about Kona, is that what what drives you still? Because you because you've got countless wins at seventy point three and absolute epic Ironman races. You you've been in some real battles. What keeps you going? Is it to kind of the big dream, or have you got something else that you? Uh, to be honest with you, it's it's not even really the racing side of things. Like everyone, you, you do enjoy racing, and Kona's always been that special one because for me, that's. You know, as a kid, it was my first interaction with Iron Man and what it actually was, other than you know Guy Leach, Trevor Hendy, and, and that crew. So that's, and then I guess the history in Kona has always been there. But honestly, I just I love training. I love being outdoors. Um, I love getting out with the guys back here over summer. And you know, it, if anything, I guess the the thing that I have trouble with is probably training too much. You know, if it's a nice day and. You know, you head out. We're lucky enough here in Melbourne to have all the pro tour boys. So whether it's um, like tomorrow, I get to hook up with Simon Garrens and we'll go. You know, you go for a spin, and if they say they're going to do, you know, two hundred k's and it's a nice day, like, well, hell, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah. And then you know, it's it's just I love being outdoors and I love training on a nice day and seeing new parts and and even. My wife Lucy and that when we travel around and you know you'll get to a different city and chuck on the running shoes and go for a jog it's just it's amazing to be outside and you just see things that you don't necessarily see if you're walking or just in a car traveling around yeah so are you self-coached or have you got a coach at the moment um i've been i've been working i guess i've gone back to i've done big circles i've tried lots of things over the years and i've always found you need to i guess find someone that you get along with is probably the biggest key as a coach and then another one is people you trust there's no point having people you don't trust so I've I worked with multi-sports early on and and I guess for the past you know six to 12 months we've become good friends over just over the years with obviously Paul and Yubi Fraser and Huddle and and Rock and Heather Fuhrer and as of the past six to 12 months you know I've just really bounced ideas and, and had Rock Rock Fry Heather Heather Fuhrer's husband helping me out. So, you know, we'll go for a, in San Diego, go for a paddle or sit at the beach of a night and, you know, I'll just throw ideas at him or I'll write down what I think is a good idea. And then, you know, I've got training training ideas and programs from him off napkins at restaurants and random <laughs> bits of paper. And, you know, over the, this course of time, I guess you learn what works and what doesn't, but you still need that out. I, I still believe that every athlete needs 
someone, whether it be a consultant or guidance or the biggest thing is to have that outside perspective because as an athlete, you're so, I guess, our pain thresholds are skewed. What we perceive as normal training is skewed and you just need someone on an outside perspective to say, hey, maybe you're doing too much, maybe you should freshen up now or maybe you should back it off for a little bit um, or maybe that's a stupid idea what you've written down and just put in front of me. So Rock's been good like that. Um, he's seen it all. I guess he helped out Peter Reid for, you know, his three Kona titles. Um, he got Heather to win, you know, more Ironman titles. And, you know, I think the only one that I know she's even topped, topped Paula in total Ironman titles or very close to Paula. So he's, he's definitely got the runs on the board. But at the end of the day, we, we're very similar people um, and we get on quite well, which I think is the biggest thing. And I trust him totally. Yeah, nice. Mate, uh, Brett Sutton a few few years back said, used you as a bit of an example of one of his famous rants. Um, get, I'll just I'll I'll yeah. try and I'll try and read it out a bit. Uh, hopeless reading, but um, if you just do aerobic training, you're going to get punished. Luke Bell is a great example. The idiots got hold of him and said, "Mate, you don't do enough volume," and slowed him, and he, and he got slower and slower. And now he's a pedestrian athlete, <laughs> um, and he could have been a superstar. Do you reckon there's a little bit of truth to that, or do you reckon he was just using you as an example to get to people that were coaching you? Yeah, it's probably like it, honestly, it's probably a little bit of everything. I think you know that. The world knows Sato's a little bit, a little bit different. Runs yeah. left to centre. He's got his own ideas, um, and but you know he's got runs on the boards too. And everyone's perception of him is different. And you know, everyone's. In, I've always said everyone's entitled to an opinion as well. And like to be honest with you, you know there there is some truth in there. Um, any athlete will tell you that. You know, from marathon to Ironman, that you, you just don't want to get stuck doing long, slow volume. Or you know, to go fast, you got to train fast. But you know, it's still a balancing act of where Ironman also is an eight-hour event. So you, you still you can't do speed work and, and get through it. And you know, you still look at some of the guys now that step up from the shorter course. Um, you know, you, you take out the freaks like Fredino on that, but. There's been, over the years, there's been lots of ITU guys come up and they're great to half, but then that six-hour mark, you know, the I guess the muscle conditioning is not there, which you need through longer, slow stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's Sato. I take it for a grain of salt. Yeah. I said just before that probably my biggest en- enemy is I love training and, and I probably train too much at times. Um, but, you know, the flip side of thing too is, you know, up until knee surgery last year, I think, you know, I ran head-to-head with Crowey at a 70.3. He ran a 112. I ran a 113 flat, um, 250s in Ironmans last year. So the speed's not all gone. It's just, I guess, uh, you choose which part of the season you look at. Not that, as I said, everyone's entitled to opinion. But, yeah, it was it was nearly like it wasn't a direct stab at myself, but yeah. more a direct stab at the, uh, the people that were coaching me at the time. Yeah, yeah. But so, how do you, um, as as a pro, how do you handle negative comments? Because they'd come and go in waves, wouldn't they? Yeah, they do. And I think everyone's you know, an expert. Yeah, it's the at the end of the day, it's you know things do off like will get to you. Um, but you're only human. You know, you hear stuff enough, and it's going to annoy you enough. But uh, I think it's you know behind closed doors, I can 
vent all, all I want and you can ask Lucy and I'm sure she can give you numerous times when I've vented or gone off about different people or, you know, whatever, which, but that's human nature. It's human instinct. But the other side of things too is when you put yourself out there as a professional and, you know, you're doing stuff in the media and saying stuff, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or social media these days, I guess have exaggerated things and made it worse. You know, and, and you've got to realise that it's like life. You, you can't be friends with everyone in the world. Um, you're going to realise that for, for some unknown reason, someone may not know you, but they may not like you. And, you know, that's fine. Um, I've always been one that I've had my close group of friends that their opinion really matters to me. Um, everyone else's opinion, everyone's entitled to opinion, but, you know, if I don't like your opinion, don't, you know, there's no need to hold a grudge against you because really I don't care what your opinion is <laughs> and at the end of the day and I think that's the way you've got to look at it. You have your group that you trust and you bounce ideas off and really everyone else can go and jump over the fence and you don't really care less about them. Yeah, yeah, nice. Mate, so what in competition, what does your general training week would look like? Um, well, I guess while I'm back home, it's a bit bit more steady and a bit more structured. Um, I'll, I'll generally swim. <laughs> Uh, Monday to Friday with Buddy Portier at Melbourne Grammar and um, David Wilson, who have both been, I guess, Australian swim coaches. I think Willow swam at the Atlanta Olympics. Um, I've been with them, as I said, for probably 15 years now. Um, and again, it's just coaches I've trusted and, and get on well with. And, you know, we have a bit of banter all through the sessions. And there's a good group of triathletes, surf Ironman, swimmers there. I think I like the squad too because it's such a social aspect. Um, during the week, you know, I'll, I'll generally ride in the morning, you know, four mornings a week. The, the long long rides on, on Wednesday, you'll try and hook up with either Greg Henderson, um, Simon Gerrans or any of, the, any of the tour boys in town. I think Kunda Court from Shimano is back soon. So we normally get a good group of guys. You can go out there and I'm by far the weakest link and I can tell you there's nothing enjoy about, enjoyable about being the weakest link. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, weekend, you know, you, you jump in on all, all the group rides and whether it be jumping the, I guess, the famous hell ride here for a, a bit of a hit out. And and then, you know, there's run groups around. I've, since being home at the minute, I've, um, just to, to try something new, my, my knee's, I guess, slowly coming good where I can can pick up the run volume again. And I've joined in with, uh, I, I shot Craig Mottram an email mid-year. Um, I've known him since, I guess, you know, 17 years of age when he started out in triathlon. So he's going to – I guess I wanted something new and different, so he's going to help me out a little bit with the, the running over over the summer while I'm back, different ideas, a new group. You know, it's a great group. And it's it's mainly about, I think, if you enjoy your training, you're going to love your training and you're going to want to get out there and do it. So it's more about keeping that interest, keeping the passion, keeping the love and I guess that – I hate to say love. I sound like PJ then. Uh, <laughs> So, but as, you know what I mean, it's, it's about making the environment a, a happy place where you want to go and do it and I guess I, I've found my groups here, I've got my routine in Melbourne and, you know, I love the city here and I love being home so it makes it a lot easier. Mate, do you do what a lot of so many Melbourne riders do and stick that silly aerial on top of their helmets to prevent magpie swooping them? No zip ties. I refuse to do that. <laughs> I refuse to do the zip ties. I'd rather clip my helmet than uh, the... Around the bay in the day last weekend, there was there was quite a lot of zip ties getting around. The old BP service stations must be doing a business, I tell you. <laughs> I did around the bay in the day a few years back, and I was I just 
was absolutely shocked how many people had these little aerials and zip ties sticking out of their helmets. I had a good laugh over it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mate, you mentioned um, about your knee just then. That's been plaguing you for a little while now. How's that going? Yeah, I guess it sort of, it sort of has been a little while. Um, you know, I've never been one to sort of, I guess, throw it out there and use the things as big excuses. I kept it pretty much, you know, it's it's something that happens in sport. These things happen. So I had I had surgery on that in February. Um, there was cartilage removed. So it wasn't just a go in and a, and a look around sort of aspect. So, you know, realistically, what are we, seven or eight months post, post-surgery? Um, I was trying to be back racing within five weeks, you know, you, you take any, I guess you relate it back to, to football players and they'll be out for half the season, most of the season. So, you know, realistically, it's probably about the time frame now where you be start getting back into things. But unfortunately, you know, you, as an athlete, you want to keep your sponsors happy and, you know, you don't want to sit out a full season either. So I probably started back racing a little bit too soon. Um, it was handling training okay, but and I was gauging my running so I was only able to run 40 to 50K a week. So for me to think that I was going to race an Ironman and race over 42Ks was realistically never going to happen. But in saying that, I wanted to go back. I, I feel it's an honour and a privilege to be able to go back as a defending champion. So hence, I wanted to be on the start line at Port Macquarie and I wanted to be on the start line at Mont-Tremblanc. And I did everything in my power to get there as fit as I possibly could, but you know, I was able to get through a, half, a few halves. I think, you know, I got a third at Boise, 70.3, which wasn't a bad result, but just the strain of full Ironman's just, I, I was just lacking volume and strength purely purely in run training. And, you know, you can't hide over 42Ks off 180. Yeah. What about, um, you, you were just mentioning you um, about your sponsors, how you, you don't want to, you want to boost them up as much as yep. you, you possibly can. Do you ever get any pressures from sponsors that oh, I want you to really be ready for Kona or I want you to be at this particular race or do they just let you do, do your own do, do your own thing? Um, I've, I guess I've always been pretty lucky. Um, I've always, I guess, like everyone else, you said Kona is your main goal and that keeps every sponsor happy because, you know, that that's the big one. Um and then outside of that, I think I've always been an athlete that's tried to compete at the at the bigger events. So I've never been questioned about trying to, you know, cherry pick a race or go to a, a, a hidden race to whether it be to get bonuses or, you know, try and get a, a slight, slight paycheck. I've, I've always figured, you know, if you have... If you want to be classed as one of the best, you, you've got to race the best guys. And that if that means, you know, fronting up against Crowey and, you know, you, you take two weeks' time, you look at the field at Mandra, 70.3, and, you know, it's a cracker. But, you know, that's that's the field you've got to race against. And to be realistic with yourself as an athlete and find out where you're currently standing or where you've got to get to, then you can't do that by sugarcoating things, turning up to a, a race, say, in the Northern Territory, having a win and saying, <laughs> hey, I'm, you know, I'm flying. When, you know, at the end of the day, the only way to find out is race the best guy. So all my sponsors are pretty much let me pick my races. Um, I'll send them a schedule pretty much January, February. I'll know how the year, well, how I hope the year was going to plan out. And then we sort of change and alter things from there. So what about the business side of uh, being a pro? How do, you, how do you manage that? Have you got good a team around you that helps you with it or are you just uh, like managing sponsors, commitments, 
um, just the whole business because you're basically Luke Bell the business, the brand, aren't you? Yeah, and you know, it's I guess I was very lucky early on. Um, Chris Lee helped me out when I was, I, I guess, my first trip over this or first couple of trips over to the states, and then being in San Diego, I was lucky enough to meet my manager at the time and still my manager from PCH Sports, which was Murphy Ryan Schreiber. Um, so, like, his, you could never say no to him. He, he managed from Mark Allen, Paula Newby Fraser, Simon Lessing, Heather, Pete Reed. Like, the list was nice. pretty pretty phenomenal. So, it was, you know, I was extremely lucky to have him and, and still have them helping me out to this day. And I think over time, it's, the triathlon industry is such a – well, triathlon, you know, multi-sport industry such a small industry and i think over time being in the industry for so long too you get to know people personally it's it's not a big industry it's like you know living in a suburb in a way you, you do you get to know everyone and the states in australia actually work very different um sponsorship wise in the states everyone likes to mainly deal with a manager where here in australia it's very personal um as athlete to sponsor relationship so you know, my relationships with Giant are very personal. I've known those guys. They were actually my first sort of sponsor when I was 22 years of age. So to be back with them again and, you know, staying there and dealing with the same guys is, you know, that's, that's a personal relationship outside of sponsorship. And, you know, that's, that's just the way it works different. And I think the, the thing that I see currently that's, I guess, hard or I'm trying to help out a couple of young guys here is whether it be mentor or whatever you whatever you call it is um I think the Twitter and the Facebook and, and all the social media is where I think athletes currently are slipping up um I think they fail to remember that these social media outlets are not just between your friends it's you know you can have a quick banter between you know whether it be you know sending a couple of things off, whether it be, you know, the other day I did a couple of quick things to Granger about being up in Noosa and here. But at the end of the day, you've got to realise that, you know, there, there's guys with way more followers than myself, but I've got 10,000 plus people that are seeing every comment that you make. So you have to realise what you say, you know, is not going to get you in trouble at the end of the day. And some of the sledging and that that goes on in these public forums, you just think this is... You know, you're not behind closed doors. It's not mm. the time or the place. And you've got to, again, as you said, you've got to remember you as an athlete are you as a business. And that's that's the way you've got to sell yourself. So it's, you know, you've got to present yourself well. You've, you know, you've always, although you've got to be yourself, you've still got to be wary about, you know, how you come across or how you word things because what you want to say and how it's perceived may come across totally different also. Yeah. So when you go um, in the states, for, is that more for a business point of view, or is it to hit as many races as you can? Yeah, it's mainly just you know it's racing. I guess back when I started, there was oh at the time. Bear with me, we've got a aeroplane going over. <laughs> so at the time, there was probably only I was we were talking about the other day, maybe five half Ironmans. You know, there was. Yapoon, Canberra, Shepparton, um, Foster, and really that was about the only half Ironmans, and they're all scattered over the Australian summer. So the winter time there was there was really nothing. So for me at the time it was you had no choice but to really travel over the states and race. You know it's summer to summer, so it worked out perfectly. And I guess over time, you know, I got 
racing more in the US, my name become bigger in the US and, and you had mainly US sponsors. So that become the bulk of my, my racing season was my downtime was the Australian summer where I'd have time off, rest, recover and, and not do too much. And then come sort of first weekend of May when it was Wildflower, St. Croix and all these races was, was all right, time to pull the finger out and this is when you need to be going quick. Which was was sort of a bad thing in a way. Um, you know, I never really got to race at home as much as probably I liked, for, or as well as I liked for for quite a few years because you're always trying to peak for that US summer season. So you know, you turn up to events here and you are you know 80, 90 percent, but and it wasn't what you wanted to do. But yeah, purely to start with, my racing in the US was due to just lack of races in Australia. Where now I think for the guys coming up and you know the the big one at the minute, everyone's always complaining about the prize purses and prize monies and and at the end of the day you know we're not tennis we're not golf we're not mainstream sports um 99 of us got into it for the love of the sport not because you thought you could make a living out of it um there's, there's more than enough guys that can do it but yeah as i said back when i started there was five races where you look at the australian or asia pacific region region now you can race 12 months of the year here and you know if you're good enough you can make a living out of it yeah. It's just you know you, you got to knuckle down and and get it done. So it's there's you can actually over race now where before there was as I said not enough races to do. Yeah. So if you were to do it all over again, would you do what would you, would you do anything different? Um, I'd say no, mainly because I've I've never thought about doing it all over again. Like. I, I sort of don't see the point in thinking about that because yeah. realistically what's done is done. Um, you're better off looking forward and moving on. You know, they always say you learn from your mistakes and go on. But I think the thing I've liked about what I've done over the years, I've, I've tried different things, you know, whether it be different training regimes, trying different things in training, trying different things in races. Um, I've, as I said, I've tried to experience different events, um, so I'd say, yeah, I'd say no, and I've never thought about it. But as I said, you can only move forward, really. Yeah, yeah. So what's your um, race schedule look for the rest of the season? Um, November's November's looking quite busy at the minute. Um, as I said, it's like it's more because I, I feel like I just I, I've missed a bit of racing, and you know I'm not looking to go to these races to to win them or anything. I just at the minute, my goal is to go there and be competitive. Um, you know, Sunny Coast was a, a step in that direction. Um, we, you know, with Stixie, there was a few of us there that got off the plane from the US that that week prior. But you know, it was nice to be able to be in the in the mix for the swim and the bike and be somewhat comfortable to the run. I think I ran okay till eight kilometres before the wheels started to come off again. Uh, Malaysia was just I was trying to get points for for next year. Um, unfortunately. Yeah, the, the knee sort of didn't cooperate through the, the Ironman, so hence Ironman will be off the cards until it will be Ironman Melbourne next year um, just to get things sorted, you know, physios and strength and conditioning at the minute. But at the minute, yeah, I'll still head to Mandurah. As I said, it's a pretty good field. I'll get a good gauge of exactly where I'm at with that sort of field, what I need to work on over the next few months. I'll also be down in Ballarat, obviously, um, being the ambassador, um, you know, I don't necessarily have to race there, but I'd really like to race there. It's, you know, I grew up doing SunSmart triathlons back there when I was, again, you know, 18, 20 years of age. So it's nice to be able to go back there and, 
one race there again. Get I love country races. I think the feel of a country race is completely different. Um, the community gets behind them a lot more. So we'll head there, and then whether I, I do sort of another race or two at the end of at the end of um, November will be will depend on how how the body pulls up from Mandurah and obviously Ballarat. But you will not see me on the start line at Bustleton Ironman. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, that that will not happen. Um, as I said, then next full Ironman, yeah, well, once the body gets all sorted I'm, and doing enough prep, I think I'm done with going into Ironman events underdone and underprepared. Um, I've known I've been done that and, you know, that's I've got no one else to blame but myself, but it's definitely a painful way to do things okay. and an Ironman's painful enough as it is. I reckon, yeah. Mate, so um, who are you, what sponsors have you got and what are they doing for you at the moment? Um, probably my long-term ones or major ones, uh, I've been with, I'm lucky enough to be with Power Bar now for, I think that's going over 10 years. Um, Oakley have been very much the same. That's well over 10 years. Um, the guys at Giant Bikes have been back on them for the past two years. Um, and as I said, they were my initial sponsor starting out and it's great to have them here in Melbourne as well. And then obviously Sacconi as well. They'd be all the majors and then, um, you know, you, you've got secondaries as well. Um, I think that the guys I have really enjoyed with of recent times uh, as of working with are the, the guys at en- Envy. You know, there are young Envy Wheels. They're out of Park City, Utah, but they're just a young, enthusiastic group of guys. Uh, I met them in Kona last year at the finish line. We are just standing around talking. It was, I think, over an hour before I actually decided, I'm like, oh, what do you guys do? And so they explained the whole thing and got hooked up with them. So they've... Nice. It's just great working with an enthusiastic company that you know are passionate about what they do and love what they do. And you know, I think all the companies that I'm with currently, I'm lucky enough to have them in that position. They love triathlon. They love. They especially love Ironman and and what it brings is, I guess, an individual sport, but such a team effort and everyone gets behind everyone. And you know, you cross your line with such a sense of achievement. Everyone embraces that and loves it. So it makes makes the job a whole lot easier. Yeah. So where can people connect with you? Are your website or Twitter? Yeah, mainly I think Twitter. Twitter. Um, it's been Aussie Luke um, with a double Z. Someone early on had. I think there was a Luke from Luke from Sydney that had the the Aussie with the double S. So I got bumped. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say mainly mainly Twitter Twitter and Instagram would be the the easiest ones nowadays. Um, you know, websites are, are great, but you know, I think the things now are moving more Facebook, Twitter, that more hands-on, more connections throughout the day rather than the, the once every two week sort of things that websites used to bring. Yeah. So uh, we'll finish off, mate. We've uh, have you got any funny stories or embarrassing stories for us? There's, you know, there's plenty of funny stories over the years. Um, you know, I've got. Lost from the early days, from Jurgen Zaks to Normans and Cam Widoffs, but you know, I'll give you the probably the most recent one was um, last year at Ironman Australia, and you know, it was always nice to tick off that that Ironman win. You know, everyone, I think it's it's been quite public that I've had more seconds than you know anyone else, and close seconds that be. So it was nice to get a finally get a win, and and being in Australia was extra nice, and on you know. A, as Australian Ironman as well, where it all began for me was was great. But I crossed the finish line and Luce did a quick wrap around the towel of me and, you know, he did the interviews and 
I thought I sort of snuck away with it and we sort of left it for a while. And then before Kona last year, Sakoni sent out, they did all their athletes racing their signing cards. So, you know, like a postcard size thing with the photos. So I got my Ironman Australia finish line photo and sitting there looking at it like, this is not going to cut it. I'm like, so I emailed the guys back, hey, you know, nice and polite is, I know these are going to print, but is there any chance we can change them? And like, oh, what's the go? It's a great photo. And I'm like, well, the photo's, you know, a pretty big headshot. And although you may think it's a chocolate gel on my chin, it was actually a nice big smear of poo. So I had uh, I had a bit of GI problems come on at about 18 kilometres of the run. And unfortunately, at about 20 kilometres, running up the up the steep hill out of Port Mac there I ran past a friend he's like you're looking good and I'm like oh can you see anything down my leg and he's like no so from then on I was managing you know washing it out patting it down washing it out patting it out but unfortunately later on when I've grabbed a gel I've grabbed a gel had a gel and I've smeared yeah from patting my leg I've smeared a nice big bit of poo on my chin so it was awesome to get a you know a maiden victory at Ironman Australia but that that victory is always going to have that smear of poo across my chin. <laughs> Actually, it's that um, same race you did is when my son just just absolutely idolised you from there <laughs> on in, and you sent him. I got in contact with you. That yeah. He's absolutely idolised you. Everything's Luke Bell, <laughs> and and he'd. Um, you you actually sent him one of the cards uh, signed, and you also sent him a two of your Kona swim caps signed, and he absolutely yeah. loves it, and he still idolises the ground you walk on. Everything's Luke Bell, and if he'll hear a race. I'll talk about a race because I talk about triathlons twenty four seven, and he goes, "Well, did Luke Bell win?" I go, "No, I don't think he don't think he was racing." Well, why not? <laughs> and everything's Luke Bell, but yeah. The, the nice follow on from that one too is there was obviously drug testing afterward. So we've gone up to their their room as well, and I walked in and you just smelt like I just stunk. And it's like, can I jump in the shower? And, and this the, the lady that was running drug testing was she was a bit of a Nazi, and she's like, no, we can't allow you to have a shower because you'll pee warm water. And I'm like, oh, look, I think I'm old enough to know when I need to go to the toilet. I can hold it in for you, but and she was adamant that I wasn't allowed to have a shower. And I'm just standing there and just stunk and covered. And I'm like, all right. Well, here's your choice. I can have a shower or I can sit on your couch here and wait till I need to pee. And then you just see the realization in her face of <laughs> there's no way you're sitting on my couch. She's like, all right. So I had to have I had to go and have my shower and have my chaperone stand and watch me soak myself down and clean myself up before my drug testing. <laughs> <laughs> so did, uh, I, yeah, it's a glamorous it's a glamorous sport, but not so glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with those cards, I can't say I've, I've studied it that closely. Yeah, is it is it is it still got the poo mark on those cards, uh, or they I'm fixed pretty that? sure. I'm pretty sure I caught them before. So we went back and photoshopped. We photoshopped it. They they did a little bit of clean up for me and <laughs> and reprinted. Them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's a, that's the best story I've heard in ages. <laughs> Thanks very much, Luke. I really appreciate you coming on the show, mate, and I'll follow, keep following your journey. Uh, sounds good. Thanks for your time, too. Cheers. Thanks, mate. All right.